0: Good God, will you listen to that hubbub going on. This is the sound of Loading Bar on Friday the 4th of December. This was just before we started the first ever Making Games is Fun live podcast. Uh, it was on Friday the 4th of December and I was there with Dan Gray, Dan Da Rocha and Dan Pierce. It was great. It was really fun. Thank you to everyone who came down. And if you didn't come down, you now get to listen to it from the comfort of your own home. I won't go on too much at the start of this, but I must say I had a lot of fun. Thanks to Loading Bar for letting me put that on in Dalston. You should definitely go there, because it's really brilliant. Follow at Drink Relax Play. Uh, Where else can you get drunk and play video games? Not many places, unless you count Loading Bar's New Bar in Stratford. Uh, the Secret Weapon, I think it's called now. So uh, if that's closer to you, go check that one out too. And finally, I have a Patreon. So if you want to support me in making more stuff like this, that would be very, very much appreciated. It's uh, it's on the up, so get in on the grand swell, and you look like a really cool dude. And that can be found at patreon.com forward slash M-G-I-F That's patreon.com forward slash M-G-I-F Now, enough from me You can hear the crowd, they're getting restless So let's tune in and listen to past me Talk to Dan DeRocha, Dan Gray and Dan Pierce The DanCast (laughs) You're good? That's Every mic? Beautiful. beautiful. Thank you. Hello, hello. Should we do the barbershop again? Hello. I enjoyed it so much. I <laughs> enjoyed your. Wait, right, I'm doing it again. Okay. <laughs> hello. Hello. Hello.
1: Hello. It's <laughs> like George again. Formby.
0: <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so Dan, Dan, and Dan, should we oh do hi. some introductions? Let's do it. Let's start with <laughs> Dan over there. Daniel.
1: <laughs> uh, huh.
2: Um, So, I'm Dan Pearce. Uh, I'm an indie game designer. Um, I worked in a game called Castles in the Sky and another one called Ten Second Ninja. Castles in the Sky went on to get a BAFTA nomination. And Ten Second Ninja is sort of my more recent thing and the thing that makes me allowed to live. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, Currently working on some stuff. Should have some things to announce in 2016, but nothing yet. Good.
3: And... Dan: I'm Dan DeRosha, I am the director at Fiddlesticks and Toxic Games, made uh, a game called Cube QB, e, which came out in 2012, which is the first indie-fun game, and now working on uh, a 2D puzzle platformer um, called Hue with this guy over here. <laughs> 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 and uh, that's hopefully also coming out in two t- uh, 2016, so
4: look out for it.
0: And Finally, Daniel.
4: Which, Dan? You need to...
0: Just back in.
4: <laughs> uh, my name's Dan Gray. I am executive producer at Us 2. Um, used to work at Liner Studios and Hello Games. We released a game called Monument Valley in 2013 and a new VR game called Land's End a few weeks ago.
0: Very nice. Now, um, I'm quite aware that this this initial idea of everyone being called Dan on the panel, it was really funny, and I thought, that's, that's brilliant, isn't it? That'll be funny. Um, but it's already become... A logistical nightmare. I so don't think it is,
4: mate. I think, like any good match three game, we're going to combine into a <laughs> <laughs> into a maximum power <laughs> down at some point.
0: Well, I, I thought we could like go with surnames, maybe, like you know, like you do at school. Oh yeah. So we just be like, Oi, Darrach. <laughs> Oi, Gray. Okay, I can be Gray. We we'll don't have to do bad. the Courtney <laughs> accent, but unless you've got any other any school nicknames we could that use, w- that pretty much was mine. Was it just Darrach? Yeah. Russia, yeah.
4: <laughs> See, that's so
0: lame. Like school is so lame. I was just like, done. Oh, I done.
4: Yeah, unfortunately, my surname isn't the best, which means I went through all the way schools call being called Danny Gay. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Um, which <laughs> you know, school book, school yeah. humor isn't the best. See good the worst I ever got was Dan Piss.
0: Piss. That's yes, yeah, that's good. Okay, we should
4: shut up now because he's going to use these. <laughs> <if we laughs>
0: to. I'm going to. I might stick with piss for you,
4: but um,
2: all right, <laughs> I'm used to it.
0: What about school life? Let's start because yes, this is a, a games-centric podcast, but there's Gray will know. Um, we get into some personal shit. So, uh, how, did you, how did you all find school? Let's start way back.
4: Is that an improvised question or was that? Yes. Wow, okay. I didn't plan any of that. Uh, do you want me to go first?
0: If, uh, if you're looking at me.
4: I, I had a weird time at school because I always kind of drifted between two groups. Like, I really liked sport. I, was, I loved playing football and basketball and everything yeah. else. Um, but also, really loved playing games and that side of things. So yeah. I kind of drifted between different groups within school from being with the, hey, the sports guys <laughs> and going and looking at comics. And looking a lot of American people in you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm from America. Sports America. guys.
4: Sports guys. We love sports. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of drifted between the two and never really felt at home in any one of those camps yeah. until, until it came to Us too, which was like a combination of, oh, there's all these sort of what you would call normies, like normal non-games people <laughs> knocking about. And they also wanted to make games there. So it was only when I arrived somewhere like that that I felt like I was. That's a long time
0: between school and. Yeah, world. I'm
4: I'm a wanderer. That's <laughs> the <this> thing.
0: <laughs> what about you, Darocha? Da
3: um, yeah, so in school they, they used to call me that my my surname, and um, I yeah I had a main group of friends, but then I would kind of um, you know socialise with most uh, people in the year. And, yeah, playing football, basketball. And th- I also took up the guitar, and I still play that to this day. I started a, b- <laughs> a band and everything, into the rock and metal. Why didn't uh, they call you the rocker?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I had that a few times, but <laughs> I was... Kit, then kids then are was so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: yeah, so that, that was good fun. But then, yeah, I think the, c- the kind of socializing with different groups kind of translated into what I do now, and it's all the networking at different events and
2: stuff. So that kind yeah. of helped out.
0: Do so it. Go. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Speak.
2: <laughs> I'm getting like flashbacks. This is gonna be the most vivid recollection of school <laughs> ever. Just
0: <laughs> start breaking it, breaking down, crying. Um,
2: sorry. Yeah, my recollection of school was just teachers really not liking me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't a badly behaved kid. I just like s- I think I struck a nerve because whenever they said something I didn't quite disagree with, and I challenged them on it, they would just be like, "Oh, shut you up. W- you're one of those." I was ones, one of sorry. those. Actually, yeah. Sarah, that's. Um, awesome. I either kept my head down and just like drew like. JRPG characters in my notebook. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm going to make a game one day, and everyone's like, "Oh right, yeah, <laughs> all right, idiot." Like, Look at him rare? now. It's like, it's like fucking eight
0: mile, isn't it? <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> like eight mile. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what well, about everyone would like games a big part? Of, well, you you were saying then, but are games like a big part of your school life as well, or like I mean, have you well always not like? School, you always that, that video games. Be,
4: you wouldn't be very good at school if I was playing games at school. I was the doing work do it all the time.
0: You not ever put Doom on the on the PCs at school.
4: I don't know if Doom worked on their PCs.
1: <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> like weird PC? Archimedes PCs <laughs> or BBCs.
4: Oh, yeah, actually, I used to play like... Yeah, um, there go. Yeah, I used to play stuff on the BBCs at work. What, it was yeah. kind of classed as IT, but not IT? Yeah. Turn left. Here is a door. <laughs> what are you going to do with the door? It's that American yeah, accent again? Uh, that's my go-to accent for anyone that isn't <laughs> me.
0: But, um, but, I mean, you know, I mean when you were that age, like, would games a big part of everyone's life
3: then? Yeah, I was always playing games from a young age. Um, so much so that my parents would
2: hide uh, my game uh, games or game consoles and
1: oh. I'd have to go and well find that. them. And
2: then See, <laughs> my parents did that as well. My parents wouldn't let me get a games console until I was like eight because oh. they were worried that I was going to get obsessed with it. Right. And I feel like that my parents doing that to me and your parents doing that to you has probably made things significantly worse <laughs> Because it put games on a pedestal, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah
4: I've realized my parents might have been slightly more hardcore because my mum used to take the fuses out of the plugs. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. On oh any God. electronics oh that God. I <laughs> liked. She was like, Daniel, are we allowed to swear, by the way? Just to yeah. yeah." yeah I've, I've, said, Daniel, yeah. you little bastard. Yeah. I'm going to take the fuses out of all the <laughs> plugs <laughs> on your PlayStation. It's <laughs> just <is> Northern Parenting it <laughs> <of> its finest. <laughs> you <you're> little bastard. You <laughs> <laughs> little bastard.
0: Oh, man, that's, that's some <laughs> hardcore. I don't think I've ever had my consoles taken away from me. That would be traumatizing. You're very,
2: very lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a lucky man Treasure this <laughs>
1: <laughs> well Or if you want to be Particularly Quite.
4: cruel My dad once took My uh, Playstation memory card Off me So he's like You can play But just remember You won't be able oh to save Oh my god
1: <laughs>
0: That's like That's terrorism oh, This right. is really evil <laughs> <laughs> That's alright. Well you know, it's effective. <laughs> cruel, but effective. That is... Yeah. I'm, I'm saving that for my daughter's <laughs> <schedule>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't to do the save, though. I once had that with... Um, I was playing through Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, the remake of Metal Gear Solid 1 on GameCube. Mm. Um, and I did that in a similar way, where, like, my memory card had been taken away. So I was like, I'm just going to do this in one long sitting, <laughs> and I'm going to leave the GameCube on. Oh. And then it gets to an interrogation scene where Ocelot's like, now, if you fail this... You're going to go back to your last save, not your last checkpoint. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh my God. Jesus Christ. Oh no. <laughs> like they just brought permadeath into Mortal Gear Solid. This That's is what the team has
0: always wanted as well. Yeah. So I just God.
2: instantly like folded and got I be- the really bad ending. <laughs> I bet he shed a little <laughs>
0: tear in Japan and didn't know why. He was
2: like, why yeah. did I cry? <laughs> it was, was really playing intense. the game as it was
0: always intended. So, going on from that, did you ever, in terms of games, when you were when at school or maybe you're slightly older, did you ever mess around with coding things around at the time? Like, uh, I know I'm speaking to different age groups here, but <laughs> <Lol>. <laughs> click and play? Do you no. remember click and play or like Amos? Oh, no, you're fucking, how old are you, Dan? I'm 30. How old are you, Dan Gray? Dan Gray. Okay, Dan so, you know so you know there was, there was Amos, there was click and play, uh, Net Euros. Is it Net Eurosy mm. or Net euros?: I don't know. I don't know. know. So, did you ever mess around with like coding when you were younger, or was it like, did that come?
4: Dan, Dan, Dan Pierce is still pissed. still <laughs> young, so, Jeez. so yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I should hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know how my games get made. I remember you used to really hammer Forge mode in Halo, didn't you? Oh, you <laughs> I love Forge mode when you were little, and yeah. Well, this is why now that, like,
2: like I'm sure everyone knows, Fallout Four came out within the last month and everyone was complaining about the base building and that, but it's basically just Halo 3 Forge again. <laughs> so right. I was like, this is amazing! Yeah. <laughs> this is so good! Like it just works with my brain, because like yeah. I batted my head against it so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, Halo 3 Forge mode was where I really like found myself <laughs> as a designer. <laughs> that and RPG Maker 2003. Because I swore I was never going to code, and now that's 90% of my job.
0: <laughs> How old were you when that RPG Maker 2003
2: I played it late. I played it because al- I played. I used 2003 instead of RPG Maker XP, which was the new one. Yeah. Strictly because I wanted to make something that looked like Pokemon, <laughs> and XP had a really <laughs> weird art style. <laughs> right. Um, so I was like, 13, 14. Oh, when Jesus I was doing Christ. That. I know.
0: <laughs> but but so like none of you two sort of played used any of that any of that kind of stuff at, at school or you know like in that period you just kind of. Uh, Interesting coding came later, or like, um, uh,
3: what's it called? Blitz Basic and Blitz 3D back in the day, and 3D game making. Yes, that's the other one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, more more like, um, more into like web design and stuff back then. Yeah, and then going into my college days was sort of e media, which was what I studied, and it was more, um, 3D animation and modeling. So, kind of got into that stuff.
0: Maybe that's why you carried on with it because I did use like click and play, and
4: I didn't code anything, like, I used a lot of level editing stuff, so I used to make maps for Unreal Tournament. Yeah. I used to do that, and he um, spent like hundreds of hours making campaigns for Heroes of Mighty Magic too. <laughs> in the uh, in the editor. So he used to like writing stories, like it basically had no scripting to it. Yeah, so there's like... Yeah, but yeah. luckily I, I managed to avoid all sense of programming whilst doing that.
0: I think that's, think that's the key in it, because then you don't get that frustration, because I was like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> could have been, could have made, I could have made Monument Valley, Tom. <laughs> not, not in 1998 you couldn't make <laughs> You
2: probably could actually, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't have Kevin Spacey talking about it on House of Cards, though, would you?
4: In not in 98. What would it be in 98? <laughs> it'd, be <laughs> like like American, Baywatch. it'd be like American Beauty or something. We'd have the saying, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at this game.
2: It'd be Doom.
0: It would be Doom, wouldn't it? Yeah. Doom was 98, I think. Just him, just the Hoff, the Hoff playing Doom in his beach hut. This <laughs> <It laughs> <just laughs> made me think Speedos. That's not a good... <laughs> in his <laughs> Speedos. This Doom game. is. Uh, so... I wonder then whether gaming was always on your mind in terms of mm-hmm. your career paths when you were that young. Have you always thought of going into that, or did you have? Uh, I mean, I've asked you a lot of this already. G- Gray.
1: <laughs> seems really it like derogatory to me. Yeah. It.
0: It's fine. Grey. it's
2: fine. Stick with oh, it. Oh, I think it sounds it. badass. <laughs> Gray. Um, like
0: a spy. <laughs> but in terms of your path up to where you are now, did you meander, or was it kind of a kind of a, a laser focused? Games-orientated? Uh, yeah, for me, gaming games, uh, games
3: has always been on the cards from a young age, I think. Um, I- going into college, I kind of, um, you know, I could try different aspects, uh, like I said before, like web design and, and 3D animation and stuff. And, yeah, and, th- and then I actually went to um, Newport University to apply for the animation course. And then I got turned down because my drawing was so terrible. So, <laughs> uh, And then they were like, your 3D stuff's all right, you know, would you like to go for the games course? And I thought, well... Yeah, I'll give it a go, and then they accepted me straight away, and that was the end of that. And then
2: oh, cool! So yeah. you went straight through and yeah, see awesome. that, and then piss. <laughs> um, kind of. So like, I I started designing games and like notebooks and stuff when I was ten. Um, I lied to my friends and said that EA were going to make my game for me because I thought they were the coolest publisher in the world at that point. <laughs> um, and I still do. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> it's telling that that got a laugh. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, and I sort of, it was always in the back of my mind. It was something I was always doing just because I really liked games. I was like, why won't these people make the games that I want? And it turns out because of very complex technical reasons. <laughs> um, but I kept doing it until I got to the point where I was about 14. Where I was like, I could just do this as my job and I'd probably be happy forever. <laughs> um, which is almost true. <laughs>
1: um,
2: but yeah, so it was always something that I wanted to do Um sort of just throughout school, throughout sixth form. Uh, I spent a year studying uh, game development at uni, found it to be a very frustrating experience because um, I'd been sort of self-taught before then. So I dropped out and just sort of started doing my own thing with within six months with release Castles in the Sky, and that was, like, going on to do quite well.
0: That's cool. So so Grey is the only one who had uh, real, real jobs before. Oh, or yeah, I, d- I
2: did some shit jobs.
4: You maybe. had a little
0: yeah. bit. Uh, We, ha- I mean, we have covered it, but yeah, you but yeah, you in the in the go over one. it a
4: bit. Yeah, working in working in shops, being a window cleaner, being a planner for British Gas for a little <laughs> while. But that was all while studying and stuff. It wasn't like I decided to do something else and then, then pivoted. Yeah. You had always, master always had to work mate. I always had my way. That's all. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, right. So we've kind of gone through some of this, but first dev gigs, if we sort of specify what, w- uh, what those were. So you... Was Castles in the Sky your first kind of major?
2: Yeah, so I'd been working on first release. It was it was yeah, Castles in the Sky was my first release. Um, I'd been working on Ten Second Ninja for about a year before that came out. It was what was uh, that was my sort of like learning to code game. Right. Um, I sort of wanted to take a break from it uh, because I'd been doing it through my year at uni and I'd started at sixth form and it. The project had already gone on longer than I, I thought it would, so I just needed a break. Um, so I worked on Castles in the Sky uh, with uh, a lovely guy called Jack DeKeat, who actually released a game today, uh, which Ooh. people should play. Um, I can't say the whole title of it because it's got, like, 20 words in it. Um, but he worked it with William Pugh, and it's called, like, Dr. Lang's carve. It's free. It's, like, a nice sort of 20-minute game. It's very funny, and it's got Simon Anstel in it. So if you search a bunch of those different words... <laughs> You'll probably find it on Google, um, but he was very, very good, and we we really loved working together. Um, and we released that. We worked on it for about two months. Released it a month after that, um, and yeah, like the the press really latched onto it. Uh, within like a, a few months after that, we were at the BAFTAs with a nomination, feeling very out of place and confused. Um, yeah, that was sort of that was sort of my first like time I sort of released a game and made money from it. Um, let's, yeah. let's talk about the
0: BAFTA thing. Right. How did that <laughs> right, okay.
4: You're so worried. <laughs> 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 what are <these> <laughs> I I you going to ask? I don't know. <laughs>
2: I'm always worried that like, this is going to be the time when someone goes like, no, you didn't really deserve it, did you? you what have you
4: actually done at BAFTA HQ that makes you so worried whenever anyone asks? <laughs> I just keep turning
2: up. They just do it to get rid of me every now and then. We think of the league is like, we didn't burn him, just something like that. What? Uh-huh.
0: So how did that feel? To go and you think, so shit, I'm at the BAFTAs. It's
2: just occurred to me that I've, um, when I was talking about my journey from school through to uni, I missed out a very, very integral part of my <laughs> career okay. path, which was uh, when I was 16, uh, I, I won the first BAFTA Young Game Designers Award. Um, when you were 15? 16.
0: Oh, shit. Oh yeah.
2: yeah that's l- that's <laughs> less <laughs> impressive, mate, yeah. Yeah, sorry, guys. 15, I would be all over it, but 16? Um, but it was literally like you, you s- basically had to write a... Uh, like a pitch document just being like okay this is the game I would want to make here's how I'd want to make it here's how I'd scale it and all this stuff Um, and I guess they liked it or they just didn't get many applicants because (laughs) I won and um, that gave me a bunch of contacts in the industry it gave me a lot of confidence to sort of like do it properly it meant my parents didn't sort of go like okay but like have you considered a real job because they were like well no like he's probably alright
0: so did you put that in as a kind of Almost like a speculative thing or did you think right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna make it as good as I can and, and I'm gonna um, take w- this opportunity or like
2: I worked pretty hard on it. Like I'm s- I'm yeah. still quite happy with the design that I sent. It was it was called Hamsters Accidental World Domination and it was sort of like a like <laughs> a parody of platformer tropes. Right. Um and I worked on that for about two weeks, um, sent that off and mainly sent it just so I could get some feedback because I wasn't sure like there there wasn't I didn't know anyone else who wanted to go into game development or anything, so I didn't know where I held up compared yep. to everyone else. So I was mainly hoping like, okay, so like if I get like shortlisted or nominated, then I know that I'm probably on the right track, but I've got some work to do. Um but yeah, and it turns out like yeah, there was a really poor selection of people entering that year, I guess. <laughs> um
0: so yeah, yeah. That's an amazing kinda yeah. That you couldn't couldn't I guess you couldn't expect to from that to go and end up, you know, Eventually, from there, that sort of the path of that going up, going into being at the BAFTAs,
2: yeah. Well, I was sort of just like, I'll see how it goes because I it was, yeah, I went to sort of the children's awards ceremony. I met Hit Girl from Kick Ass, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it was just like, I remember being a really nice event and being like, you know what, like, I'm, I'm done, like, I'm happy with this. If I don't ever do any other game thing again, I'm more than happy. Yeah, but I also figured that, like, if you know, like, if I've won it, I may as well make the most of this so like any contact i got any like whatever opportunity i got i was just like right i'm gonna send some emails i'm gonna go visit some studios i'm gonna do this um so as a result i knew quite a lot of people from quite a young age um i was quite well versed in like what i wanted my career in games to be um like i went uh, on a a tour of ea games the the place that (laughs) i lied and said i wanted to publish my game and discovered that i i did not want to work there (laughs) um because, uh, yeah, we went on the tour and saw them making, like, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Right. Um,
0: and did they all look deadly yeah. and hallowed? And I
2: was, Well, this thing, like, I turned up and I was like, right, I've played, like, a bunch of, like, movie tie-in games, and I know they're not very good, so I'm going to finally, like, give them a the piece of my mind and show <laughs> them how to make their <laughs> games better. And I turned up and they were like, oh, no, like, we know, we know it's probably not going to be great, but, like, we have six months to make it and no budget. Yeah. I was <laughs> like... No, it makes a lot of sense, actually, that it wouldn't yeah. be that great. They're like, yeah, we're aiming for a seven. If we hit a seven, then we've <laughs> completely outdone ourselves. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah. Um, so I realized I didn't really want to be part of that.
0: The idea that sometimes it's, it's just work, and it's like, yeah, we've just got to get this out. Here's what we're aiming for, and then it's done. Yeah. It's not like this well is Was like they,
2: they didn't have a, a chance to make it a good game. That was the thing. Like they, they had very, very nice offices. They had like gyms. Like They got lovely food and stuff, but it was like, they're not making things that they want to make, and I, I kind of need that. Um, so that was when yeah. I sort of committed and was like, "I'm going to be indie. I'm going to try and make that work." Because it was just starting to become a, a big thing around that time.
0: Yeah, and and I guess all three of you kind of various forms of independent or I indie. I I, I always gonna, yeah I was going to say, this do is you great. think for the
4: sake of podcast, no visuals? This is, this is great. Uh, yeah, I I know I always avoid saying that for yeah. us because I feel bad about people who leave their jobs and eat ramen for two years whilst we luckily managed to be in a nice office so we always try and try and avoid using that we like to think that we have the same kind of sensibilities we make the stuff that we want they the games we make feel personal um but for the most part yeah we're a like a company we're an incorporated business that has premises so we're kind of like we're like triple indie i guess if you (laughs) wanted to put (laughs) it that way yeah Triple I? Triple I. I. So
1: I. Do you think it's still
0: a useful term, indie? Do you think it's needed? Do you think it's outdated? Do you think?
2: Was it ever a useful term? Like, really? Like, whenever people go into, like, well, what does indie mean? Usually they come to the conclusion that it's someone who has no help whatsoever, and those people don't release games that make money, ever? (laughs) So it's like, there's never really been a a thriving indie scene by that definition. Um, It generally just seems to be a... A combination of budget and sensibilities.
1: Mm. Yeah,
4: you are you're indie until you have enough money to be okay, and then everybody hates you. (laughs) That's basically like ask Notch how that works. That's basically (laughs) I'm indie, I'm indie, I make a cool game. Okay, now I have a hundred billion dollars or whatever it is. Um, That suddenly changes.
2: And this is one of the weird things that I find about Notch is he was like with Minecraft. That's one of the few examples where I'd go like, okay, by the strict definition that a lot of people use indie for minecraft was that i mean it used Mm. like javascript apart from that was like notch made it himself he put it out himself Mm. like it was as indie as it could really come and people had a go at him for selling out because everyone loved his game (laughs) the (laughs) bastards yeah it's that weird
0: sort of level of if it's too much success then you're not
4: yeah i think it's just that people feel they like to feel close like if you're fans like the whole like independent development community online is very close thing and a lot of fans and smaller developers want to feel like it's close to them like they can they can just about do it and the minute someone starts to be able to afford ferraris or other stuff the minute it seems too far away and i think that's why at one point you know there starts to get a little bit of resentment in there
0: what about um things like early access because i had um Andrew Smith on previously, who does uh, uh, Tango Fiesta, and he was talking about how he um, he felt it was right at the time, but by the time he finished that game, they were like, I d- we're not going to do it again. Because <laughs> he says it's kind of like th- most games now with that, it says if if your game's about surviving and crafting, then then you're basically mm-hmm. all right t- for early access. But it's kind of like that model... That was quite an indie, seen as kind of an indie thing, where it's like get everyone on board, and then you know everyone's. Written I've got we're all in this together in my head, which is <laughs> the, the tourist thing. But um, you know that that kind of sense of including all the fan base with with it, um, giving it that uh, that grassroots indie sensibility, where it's like, well, we're all just gonna, you know, well I'm like you, and I don't like. Do you think that the sort of the, the idea of um, Early access. Do you think that's kind of on its way out now, uh, in terms of its popularity? Unless you are Survivecraft, the game. Mm. Like, do you think there's a there's a place for that now?
3: Or
4: I don't make PC games, so I'm out of this <laughs> conversation. <laughs>
3: uh, I mean, so we make um, single player games. So for us, like, um, I, I'm not sure how that can work unless you're doing episodic content that yeah. comes out once a month or whatever. So. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Really, for us,
0: because there have been single there have been single player games on that have done early access, and and that I've always found that weird because it's like, well, if you played through the story and it can't change that mm. much from now until completion, really, it must be tweaking. Like, what are the people who get in there early getting out of it? Yeah, towards the end. Yeah, I mean,
2: it? I've always felt like sort early access and beta access and stuff like that should be reserved for games that are quite systems-heavy or games that require a lot of QA that might not be accessible to, to the developers. Like, an exa- like to, to mention Fallout 4 again, Fallout 4 seems like a game that kind of should have been released in early access. But is a smaller studio than they seem. There's like 60 to 90 people working on Fallout. Not as many as Assassin's Creed, where it's hundreds or thousands of people. Um, and the design's fine, but they, they need more QA. They need more people fixing bugs, and that's what the modding community ends up doing. Yeah. Um people complain that's buggy cuz it comes out as a finished product and there are these errors there. But like I I feel like Fallout's an example of a game where it's like this could be early access and it would probably be more beneficial to the game if it's something like Invisible Ink where it's like you need a lot of people testing a lot of different iterations of a procedurally generated level. Also very good for for early access. But there, there is definitely a lot of people who are like we're releasing on early access because we need to ma- start making money now.
4: I think, that, I think that's the thing. Like, I've always been of the opinion that if we're going to release, release a game, it needs to have the biggest impact possible day one. It needs to be mm-hmm. a massive fanfare. And you know, we're in a good position that we can do that. Um, and for us, I wouldn't want to put out a 50% finished game and then for people to go, oh, I tried it, it's okay, and then forget about it again. Like, I've, I really love playing Crypt of the Necrodancer, for example, that I bought, what, like 12 months ago or so, and it was really good then. And I keep checking it every now and again, but if they'd just released it at 100% quality to begin with, I probably would have been blown away and been obsessed with it.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's why it, it does fit things like the you know surviving crafting games that can always have stuff added to them all the time, so you can just sort of comfortably leave it for six months and go, oh, I wonder what's in there now. And, oh, it's a bit of new... I think I, I got Sir, You Are Being Hunted, which was... I enjoyed it quite a lot, but again, like... I, when I first got it, I went, nah, there's stuff there, but, you yeah, know, and obviously that's the point, it's early access. But then I, I left it l- like a, a whole year and came
4: back and went, oh, it's
0: quite good now, you know, it's like a weird, it's just a strange model. But um, um, I've
4: had technically, uh, we've had some kind of like Kickstarter, stroke early access stuff with us because four different people on different occasions have slipped money into my pocket at conferences and then said, I now have to make Monument Valley 2. <laughs> 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 like some kind yeah. of commitment. Like, you've now taken yeah. my money, yeah, yeah. therefore you now have to do it. Like it's <laughs> some kind of early kickstart. Yeah.
0: Like you sort of take your hand, like get a pen in your hand and take it and make you sign a thing. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah you sign? that was you. you. Can,
4: was can I
2: have your autograph down? And then just like... Yeah. So <laughs> <I said now laughs> it's,
4: now it's a contract. Ah.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking, maybe this is cheeky, but... Speaking of Monument Valley 2, should we talk about Land's End for a little bit? Oh, yeah, the new game. Yeah. It's good, oh, I thought you were going to ask the the about Monument game. Valley 2 then, and then I
4: was <laughs> like, well, not much I can tell you, Gary. That's not, that's not a thing. Um, because they certainly
0: share a vibe, I think.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll ask you. Like, You came to come and play it the other day. Yeah, don't ask what? me. I'm asking you. <laughs> okay. You can ask me. Um, so what we decided to do was probably 18 months ago now, um, we were at Nordic Games Conference, and a bearded gentleman came up behind us, tapped us on the shoulder, and said, hey, you got the Monument Valley guys? And we said, yeah. He uh, gave us a piece of hardware and said, I want you to take us home and try and figure out how Monument Valley would work in VR. And then we had a drunken conversation for an hour about how that would be ridiculous, Mm -hmm. because Monument Valley only works from one specific perspective, otherwise the illusion gets messed up. Like, if you rotate the camera in Monument Valley a couple of degrees in either direction, the level's actually split up into all these disparate parts within the scene, so it's never going to work. But we took the hardware home, um, played around with some things, tried to figure out what would work. The majority of the things that work in Monument Valley actually make players sick. So the idea of walking on walls seems fucking amazing. It's not. It just makes you vomit for six hours (laughs) straight. Um, So we tried around with that. And then one of the things that we kind of stand for amongst the team is that we always try and make stuff platform perfect. So Monument Valley, we designed around trying to be the most perfect iPad game that we could envisage. Um, and we thought, if we're going to work in VR, it needs to have the same principles. Yeah. We need to create a new IP, a new game that's perfect for VR. So we uh, went back to the drawing board. Uh, what was a three-month project turned into an 18-month-long project of trying to figure out what works in VR. Yeah, It's kind of like, if you're going to make a game on mobile, it's easy enough to say, what mechanic do we require to fulfill this, this vision of what it is? You can look at thousands upon thousands of mobile games and try and use that for inspiration. If you're going to do that in VR, there's no games there to tell you how the perfect way to do something is. Yeah. So we have to figure out how to move without a controller. We have to figure all this stuff out. So yeah, 18 months instead of three months. It came out three weeks ago.
0: What, what sort of things did you reject? Reject? Yeah, like, what did you try and go, no, for whatever reason? Whether uh, it because what it made the wall sick. walking, yeah.
4: any kind of acceleration or dropping or hanging people over cliffs or anything that you would imagine to be too extreme. seems fun for like the first 30 seconds you spent in VR. Uh, But if you're trying to create an experience that's supposed to be played over the course of 30 minutes, 60 minutes, it's not going to fly because people are going to take things off. It's not that kind of of thing. It's like 3D movies. You know when we first started making 3D movies, all people did was throw stuff at the screen. (laughs) And you'd be like, wow, I'm moving this stuff. (laughs) It's so 3D. And it wasn't. It was super shit. (laughs) And then it only ever got good when people were a little bit more subtle with the implementation of what 3D was. I guess that's what we've tried to do with Land's End is... What is that subtle implement implementation of VR that makes you feel comfortable within it?
0: Yeah, I think when I played through it, my favourite thing was that actually going down into the cave yeah. was, was more... Because quite a lot of VR stuff around at the moment is like that sensation of, oh, look, I'm flying, I'm so high yeah. up and stuff. And you do have a bit of that in there, and that's good. But I got, I got more out of going... I got more of a sensation of, like, going into you a more, dark you cave. you more of a going-down
1: man than a... <laughs> than a <laughs> yes. It was, the
0: change, it was a change of light. Like, there's something about going into a dark... You know, the change yeah. of... Because that was an added... It wasn't just... Um, it wasn't just a play on um, having a sense of where you are. It, it, oh, God, that's a shit sentence. <laughs> 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 it wasn't just a sense of... of positioning it was also having that change of of brightness of going into a cave added another layer to 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 like
4: yeah it's it's, it's that thing with VR like it's not necessarily about mechanics or what you do it's mostly about presence yeah so especially on like a low-powered device like Land's End has to work on um, mobile phones on Android devices it's not like we have all this PC power to do these amazing graphics yeah so there's only so much that we can do with things like lighting and presence um, so yeah, I guess that's what you're d- what you're trying to explain. Like the yeah. idea of going from one environment to the next, yeah. even though it's just a subtle shift in things like lighting and textures, actually makes you feel slightly doomed.
0: Yeah, I thought it was quite quite comfortable.
4: Uh, <laughs> doom, you're comfortable with doom,
0: right? Uh, I, I, I had a bad tube gen, so I thought I'm just what I want to do now is sink into <laughs> a fucking dark cave, <laughs> never coming out of thought oh, yeah. I'll just play this. Um, but yeah, that was that was. I think that was the main difference. And but in terms of how much. How much did you want it to be a game and how much was it was just a, uh, in, in, in massive quotes, an experience?
4: Uh, I would say Monument Valley's not a game either. Like, we say game because that's what people are used to. Yeah. But for the most part, they sit on that spectrum somewhere between what a passive experience is and what an actual game, like hardcore mechanics-driven game is. Yeah. And Land's End is uh, even more so than Monument Valley. It's down towards the experience side of things. Like, the puzzles... They're not challenging enough to make you want to take the headset off. Yeah. We kind of like dangle the hook right in front of your face <laughs> and say, you can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And eventually you do. But yeah, it's, you know, it's more like, it's not a coincidence that both Monument Valley and Land's End sit at j- like just under an hour's worth of gameplay. Yeah. In the same way that you would watch a TV show, I guess. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. It's like a self-contained small experience that hopefully leaves you thinking a certain way. Yeah. So yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't call it a game.
0: Sure. <laughs> Uh, Dorcha. Daru- that's, um, that's him. Um, let's go up through that onto because I know Cube is a very kind of it's a very puzzle heavy. That's right. Yeah. Game or experience? I would say game.
3: Uh, game, game. This time
0: <laughs> 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 we make games over here. Great. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Fucking experience. <laughs> um, in terms of in terms of that balance for you then, how much is it about making a, a satisfying game or a mechanical? You know, I was going to say mechanical experience. I'm getting this is this is
1: <laughs> getting them messed up, man. <laughs> <laughs> These terms, damn terms. Damn terms. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, how much is it? Im- how important is it, is it to you to make it uh, a game first and then an experience?
3: Um, so, so with Cube, it was all about yes, making it a, g- a game because yeah. um, y- in university we made like a short 10-minute demo and that was pure gameplay, nothing else. And we kind of brought that across to the full experience. Uh, we did want to have a, a narrative-based in the full game, but just due to time and budget constraints, we we didn't. Um, but then that was kind of released in the director's cut version, which came out to consoles earlier this year. Um, yeah, so it's completely puzzle-based, as if you're inside a Rubik's cube and you're kind of going puzzle to puzzle, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so it's yeah. So
0: in terms of like. If you want to put a feel around the game or or a story around it, is that is that something you would add later, or is that something you kind of um, develop in tandem with it? In, in like, um, if if you said, <coughs> if you weren't able to put a story in there, would that matter to you? Would you would you care? Would it be?
3: Um, so we're working on Cube Two as well, and, and yeah. that is kind of all going hand in hand in tandem. Um, the story and and the gameplay kind of intertwined and yeah. being developed at the same time. Initially, that was mainly because of our lack of experience on the first game and and, right. and kind of making stuff up as we go along. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but now we yeah we have now you experience so to yeah. develop it in that direction yeah, as yeah, well. Exactly.
0: Um, now I won't I won't ask about. I know there is a story in Ten Second Ninja. Piss. Uh, barely. Um, <laughs> it's about Hitler and stuff. Yeah. But you, I mean, with that. What which is your favorite game ca- to make out of Castle Say like do do you prefer like some like Ten Second Ninja where it's like it it's pu- I mean it's pure mechanics, isn't it? It's pure kinda shaving those yeah, it's those um, milliseconds off and
2: Yeah, like Ten Second is sort of like my my gamey game, where like that that yeah. felt like you know, I was inspired by a lot of the other indie games coming out around the same time. I was very inspired by indie game the movie. Um and as more time passes, the more I realized that, like, that's not really the best representation of <laughs> how <laughs> making games works. No. Um, but it was sort of me going, like, okay, I want to make something very mechanics-focused. Um, I'm, like, I, I wasn't really raised on 2D platformers. I, I'm i not a massive fan of them or puzzle games, and 10 Second just sort of ended up becoming both of those. Yeah. And that was, that was quite a deliberate thing because I sort of did it as an exercise to see could i design something fun that i wouldn't like necessarily want to play like nothing to cloud my judgment and be like okay well like it was in this game so it has to be here like purely assessing what the game needed mechanically and what was good for it mechanically on a, a more objective way and then seeing how people responded to that um so like i developed it i made a very brief like 10 second demo um showed it to my friends at school and stuff got them to play it they really really liked it so I kind of just ran with it from there. Um, the difference between that and Castles in the Sky was Ten Second Seconds Ninja was very much, like, concept first, and then everything built around that, whereas Castles in the Sky was more... Um, I, I had a tone in mind. Um, I, like, I, I'd come out of primary school into secondary school, and I didn't, like... I, I felt like I wasn't done with being a kid yet, and that hadn't gone away until, like... Even after I'd finished sixth form, so I was like, okay, like whenever I mention this to other people my age, they always go like, Yeah, being a kid was awesome, you didn't have to do anything. It's like, no, that's not what I mean. Like <laughs> everything's bigger than you, everything's new, like everything's awe inspiring because you don't know what it is yet. Yeah. It's like I wanna make a game about that so people so, so then at least when I bring that up with people, they can be like, Oh, okay, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, which ended up working great. Like I used to obsess over that like every single day, and now I just don't. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't expecting. Oh okay, so um, it
0: almost, like, released you from the...
2: Yeah, and I, I wasn't... I, d- I mean, obviously, you, you hear developers all the time. It's like, I made this game so I could, like, feel better about this thing. And, like, oh <laughs> that was never something that I could understand um, until that game came out. And I was like, I haven't thought about that in a very long time now. Um, and I used to think about it every single day. Yeah. So, it's um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a... it's Yeah, it's
0: an artistic process to, to yeah. get out something that you're... Experiencing, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's
2: just expression, and like, it's it's rawest form, right? Where it's like, this is the best possible way I know how to express this feeling, like, have it, like, here it is. Like, I can't say this better in words. Yeah. Um, I mean, and uh, I'm aware this is gonna be the point where people their respect for me massively drops, but that's like (laughs) what art is, right? Like, that's the purpose of art. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm, I'm, I feel like castles in the sky did more for me on a personal level but the actual process of making 10 second ninjas more fun because you never hit any difficult bits where like you're in a certain place emotionally it's not quite clicking or yeah <laughs> or people aren't quite getting it or and you don't hit those creative roadblocks quite as much because it's just like okay one needs to have this amount of levels i know mm. like i know the mechanics set yeah,
0: um, there's a much more kind of methodical approach to making these yeah, levels better it and it's and a
2: lot less um, emotionally exhausting to make a game yeah. like that and I'm also very aware like the reason I, I followed up Castle in the Sky with Ten Second like Ninja and, and why the n- the next sort of couple projects that I've got planned um, aren't in a similar vein to Castles is because like you have to be so earnest to make something like that yeah. and it's like I don't have anything in my life right now that I feel as strongly about as I did Castles in the Sky yeah um, and it feels like making something in that vein would just be, be forced and sort of insincere. You
0: need a reason to make it rather than just Yeah. Kind of I'm gonna make s- a, an emotional. So hopefully thing.
2: something horrible happens to me in my life <laughs> so I can <laughs>
0: monetize that. We, might, we, we can all just sort of bat to you later if you want and you can Yeah, right. Say, yeah, yeah. Call me Dan Piss over you and yeah, over. Yeah, call me Dan week. as we're doing it, yeah, okay. Just keep calling you Piss.
4: Reminds you of what's what's the character in Game of Thrones? That the guy when he cuts him cuts him up.
0: I don't know.
4: <laughs> I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> it's the guy they really demeans, and he cuts his cuts his uh, his little Willy Wonka. Off. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, I know the guy. Yeah. So we're gonna, we're just gonna, gonna keep demeaning
4: for the rest they? of the thing. Yeah. Yeah, reek. Yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna keep calling you piss. For Done. <laughs> and Done. Cut his
0: genitals off, and then <laughs> that's a <up> BAFTA 2016. <laughs> Sorted. Easy, really, once you, you know the methods. This all took yeah. a very dark turn. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you wanted the inspiration, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we will provide it. Um, going back to a question I was going to ask a while back, because there's no way to segue, but um, how, um, and this is something, again, we've covered with Dan quite extensively, so uh, with Dan with Gray. Um, how, because you touched upon it earlier, but... How do your family feel about your what you do? <laughs> um um a bit both before and after you kind of found success and, and and sort of said, Look, I can so before before you when you said, Look, I, I'm gonna make games for a living, mum and dad, and they went, uh, okay. And then after when you went, Look, this is a thing I've made and it's on a it's a real thing and people are buying it or you know what what was the the attitude towards that before and uh, and after and now? How do they feel about it? Any um, either anyone jumping?
2: So my parents were always like th- they they were always supportive. It was, I-, I guess, the difference between before, after, and after. It was um. Before my parents were more like, like, are oh, you doing that? Like, okay, we're not going to stop you. Um, and then after, after it was like actively encouraging. Like, okay, how can we, h- how can we help? Like, what can we do? Um, I know my mom did mention to me like. Yeah, I was sort of thinking, like, if if it wasn't for BAFTA, like, it would probably be another couple of years before I say to you, like, okay, do something proper now. Yeah. Um, Which took me a little bit off guard, because before that she had just been very, like, yeah, just do what you want and, like, whatever makes you happy, go for it. Um, Yeah, my dad sort of just generally didn't seem to mind either (coughs) way. He was just like, yeah, like... they. They were very sort of laid back about it. I guess the main difference with BAFTA was it like they they no longer felt like they had to worry about a point where they go like okay this is a problem and he needs to do something. Yeah right okay yeah it wasn't like yeah
0: wasn't that uh, like can you please just get a proper job because you yeah just you so we can wearing like, your mother yeah. nice yeah
2: yeah just so we know that you're gonna be <laughs> able to like eat and stuff like you'll have a roof over your head.
0: And <laughs> um, how do they feel about it now like?
2: Um,
0: so you didn't you didn't get the chance to go, well look at me now oh and
2: dad. But like No, well they were just nice. I didn't get that that <laughs> satisfying. <laughs> it's I almost g-
0: disappointing. You <laughs> can't <laughs> be like, I saw that with
2: uni actually. There was um I won't I won't name name names. Um <laughs> but there was a certain person who was the leader on my university course, um, and yeah. he was touted by many as like an industry vet, like a proper good like developer from the nineties. Yeah. Um. And I, I can't stand the guy. He was, he was not very good at helping me throughout right. university. Okay. Um. And I saw him at the BAFTAs after I dropped out, and w- I was nominated with Castles, because he was a judge and I was a nominee. <laughs> and that felt really good.
0: Wow. That's, uh, that's some business there. Yeah. Delicious.
2: Yeah, I, d- I had a
3: similar thing actually with um, uh, a lecturer at uni who um, wasn't, yeah, wasn't very nice to me when I when I started, and then. After Cube came out, because it was a student project, then they, they were just like all over. They're like, "Well, man, let's be friends." <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Okay, <laughs> go away." <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but prior to that, um, I, I, I guess because I studied e-media at college, and my parents were always um, happy for me to do that. They never yeah. like um, were against it majorly. And then going through uni, and then um, yeah, I mean they, they didn't really. Uh, they they kind of let me get on with it, which was which was quite cool. Considering they uh you know, used to hide my consoles back in the day. Yeah. And yeah. um and yeah, then then I think kind of yeah, making a cube and then doing all that, that kind of cemented that as a career path and, and I think they yeah, they were really proud afterwards and happy about that. But uh That's cool. Yeah, w- it wasn't like going home and saying, Yeah, in your face it was just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, good <laughs> good 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 job. <laughs> that was about it. That's
0: good. Uh yeah. um, I've got a couple more it, so I was gonna. The other thing I was gonna ask you about uh, Darocha, um, oh yes. which I was, I forgot to bring up earlier. Just we're getting a bit all over the place now. But um, Hugh, Hugh. So, yeah. Hugh. so going from Cube. So you you're, you're the you've got Cube Two in tandem with Hugh at the moment, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So like, what? Where did? How did Hugh come about? Is basically what I'm gonna. In terms S- of that, because it's not. It's still a kind of a puzzle-based game, but it's a departure from that 3D feel so why did you go yeah so there's a whole d- isn't it isn't it worse fewer d's does that make it <laughs> good? Uh,
3: it's different i mean I, I l- it's good to have a bit of variety i think it's yeah. a nice to experiment with different stuff so uh, after cube um uh th- there were a few creative differences between myself and the team i think in university you kind of put with the same wi- with your lecturer kind of picks you go with and it's not necessarily the team you'd pick to uh, do a full-time gig with um So later on, uh, maybe six months after Cube came out, I kind of thought, well, these guys, we're not all on the same page. I'm going to start something else on the side and then um, still run the Cube stuff, but I have full creative freedom with this thing. Um, Started a company with uh, this guy over here, uh, over there, (laughs) (laughs) Henry, and um, we created a game called Watermelon, which came out on uh, mobile platforms on Windows 8. Um, just as a a short three-month project while another contract gig came in. And that did, download-wise, that did fairly well. And then we did this contract gig, which kind of um, enabled us to be self-funded for about a year after that, which was cool. Right. But in that time, we we put together three different game pitches. Like One of them was Hugh, and then there was two other games. And we we found the problem with self-funding was awesome, but at the same time, we didn't find we were that disciplined so we were kind of taking our time with the game and then I guess we were running out of money so we thought let's get some investment for this and then pitched all three games and the investor kind of like Hugh which was our favorite game as well right and then yeah we just kind of went on a journey to make that game yeah, and cool. uh, we've been working on it for about a year and a half now.
0: So it's, so it's all sort of color-based in terms of it's that's the main puzzle mechanic in it that's right yeah
3: so you shift the, the background colour yeah, of the world kind of washes over yeah and then each object yeah depends on their colour but they'll appear and disappear in a case of getting through the game that way
0: was that like your first was that the kind of the, 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 the idea that that's got it all started was that what came first, or was it we're going to make a 2D style game? and um, then that Yeah,
3: so, th- so yeah, that was the core idea. Yeah, we right. thought color. We've always always been interested in color. Me and Henry, and we yeah. thought, yeah, let's let's go down this avenue. I think he d- it was a game jam he did where um, you, you play as a boy and you're kind of flashing your um, torch on zombies to make them disappear. Right. And we thought, how could we take that idea further and then turn it into this full game? Now
4: that's cool. Now we're here. Did you ever consider making it just where you could shape shift to different hues? <laughs> Hugh Hefner has <laughs> certain <laughs> amount of powers. <laughs> Hugh Grant has different <laughs> <Yeah>. powers again. <laughs> that, that's I would that's definitely a, play yeah, that we game. Gone down that way uh, yeah. that sounds
3: much better. There's,
0: <laughs> There's <laughs> a look on your face. <laughs> yeah. I could see, like the, <laughs> d- the brain. The brain was d- d- just telling uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. Grace <laughs> thought of a joke. Yeah. Look on his face. <laughs> 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 um, amazing. I think we're going to start wrapping up there. Have we got any any plugs we want to do? General plugs. General Plugs.
4: That's that sounds uh, like a horrible name. Yeah, Let's not saying, make that's like that <laughs> game. That is a game <laughs> we're not <laughs> making. General Plugs.
0: Uh, Pierce, um, I called you by much so by proper surname.
2: Yeah, because I forgot to mention it earlier, um, I co-founded a studio called 4Circle Interactive. You should follow them on Twitter, <laughs> at 4 Circle int um, Maybe we'll announce something in spring of 2016. Oh, Who could possibly know? Maybe we'll. Maybe we'll. But, yeah, keep an eye on that because that will be an easy way to, to hear about that and all the just stupid stuff we get up to. Darosha. Um, yeah,
3: hopefully Hugh will be coming out next year, um, potentially Q2, so like May time. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dan um and at Henry Hoffman for more information about the game. <laughs> Henry just wooed. <laughs> <laughs> there and, was a woo. uh, Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's it. And hughthegame.com is the website.
0: And great. Who, who are you? Who,
4: who am I? Yeah. Who are wow. you? Wow. Who are you? Hugh, who are you? I'm definitely more of like the Hugh Hefner <laughs> than the Hugh Grant <laughs> <laughs> in the game that I can't wait to play. Um, when, is, when, is, yeah. when is my Hugh game coming out? <laughs> <laughs> um, Q2 2017, yeah. I hope. Q2. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, so we're kind of just game jamming a little bit for now, uh, just trying to come up with new stuff. We've been for a little bit of a transition period, like... Because we were part of a bigger company, um, called us two. We've then sort of become a much smaller company with only the 11 people on our team. So it's just trying to find what that is and where we're going. Um, Going back to the drawing board, new IPs for both VR and mobile. Hopefully at the end of next year, maybe at the beginning of the year after that, we'll see.
0: Actually, I was going to say, where do you see VR going from here? Are you going to do more VR? Are you, are you thinking of that? Or do you think it's... Yeah, you well,
4: know, I mean, like, one thing I'm a bit disappointed about was we went to Oculus Connect, like, yeah. a, l- a little while back, and we went there, and all the developers there were working in VR. Um, and the majority of people, they were making very much developing games that developers would want to play in the sense that yeah. a lot of them were sci-fi-based. Right. They were flying spaceships around and stuff, yeah. <laughs> which is great. Like, I love playing games like that, but it wasn't very diverse in the types of things that they were trying to make and nobody was trying to make things that your average person could just put on their head and play. Yeah. It was all like, put this headset on, then put this Xbox controller in your hand. This is boost, this is shoot, this is rotate, <laughs> this is yeah, thing. Yeah. I was like, that's hard enough for your average person to understand anyway. Never mind if you're just going to cover up their eyes with a VR <laughs> headset. Like, it's even <laughs> harder again. Yeah. So I feel like VR has a space for the kind of thing that we want to do, so we'll yeah. continue doing it. So.
0: Do you think the mistake is in people trying to make it like games that already exist?
4: Yeah, part, part of that is, like, a lot of people, when it comes to, um, you know, any VR competitions or people trying to pitch for stuff now, there's a lot of tech companies who are sort of throwing money out there in order to fund projects. And a lot of teams are taking a project they want it to make anyway yeah. and then saying, hey, this is a VR version of this project. Yeah. And as I said, I think the best things are supposed to be perfect for the platform. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, many people are trying to fit a game they already had onto the platform and they should be thinking about things from the beginning and what works best for that piece of hardware. <laughs> <laughs>
0: dun, dun, and dun. I think that's a, a perfect end.
2: <laughs> dun, dun, and dun. Thank you very much. It just sounds like someone just got electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> and hilariously, dun, dun, dun sounds really dramatic. That's very good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah.
0: Dun, dun, good dun. End. Good end. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Cool. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Wow.